Counting down to the NFL draft, we'll talk about where Ohio State's top dogs could end up in the league. We'll also take a peek at what's happening in the wild, wild west of college basketball. All that coming up in this edition of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance along with my partner, Johnny Ginner. Johnny, Thursday night, the first round coming to you. Ohio State expected to have two wide receivers drafted in the first round. First time that's happened for the Buckeyes since 2007. How hyped are you? for the flesh fest that is the NFL draft. <laughs> that is a, that's an interesting way to put it. Um, you know what? I normally, I, I think I've bemoaned this on the Dubcast before about how they've split up the days and it, it makes it feel like less of an event. And I don't know, it, it's just not as fun to kind of consume as it used to be. It's more of like a, a chore because of how much they stretch this thing out. However, I will say that this actually makes it somewhat more convenient for Ohio State fans. And let's say that's your only real rooting interest in this draft is where Ohio State's wide receivers are going to go. Uh, you can pretty much tune out of the draft after that. I mean, there's a there's a couple other guys in mean, Ruckert and, and Petit Ferrer are going to be there uh, in later rounds. But really, you know, figuring out where Ohio State wide receivers past and present are going to go are really that's the biggest amount of drama for an Ohio State fan in the first round. So um I'm excited to see how that plays out. And it's been interesting to me how like watching some of these mock drafts and God, that's a whole crazy industry in of itself, but um, watching these mock drafts and, and kind of where, you know, Wilson, a lot of are projected to go and, and Jamo is expected to go. That, that's, it, it's interesting to me. I, I didn't expect, for example, you know, uh, Garrett Wilson to be valued so much higher than Chris Olave. You know what I mean? Like they didn't strike me as I, they have different skills, obviously they're not the same guy, but I, I, I didn't feel like, you know, if you wanted to get a wide receiver, you could do poorly with either of those guys. I think they're, you know, both incredibly talented and excellent. So for, you know, Garrett Wilson to be getting top 10 evaluation, Olave kind of being in the, you know, 17 to 20 range is kind of interesting to me. Well, let's ask this question. So Johnny Ginner puts on his general manager hat. You've got, you've got, uh, the, the pick in the draft where you, and your team needs a wide receiver. You need the wide receiver. You've got a high draft pick and you have on the board, on the board, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave and JMO. <laughs> Who are you taking and why? Uh, it, I, I mean, part of it is, I guess, who else is on your team? And I know that's a cop out. But because they are that different, right, because they are the guy who can kind of, you know, like I think Wilson's going to be a dude who can be that wide receiver one. Alave is the guy who can be the slot, really versatile. And then Jamo, I, I think, kind of is in between those two things and then can do a lot of different things. Um, I think in terms of pure raw talent, I, I mean, I still really like Chris Alave. I mean, his his ability to control his body to track the ball his hands everything man like again i'm not crap on either of the other two guys they're both unbelievable wide receivers but i just think that consistency wise over the years i really really love what i've seen from chris Olave. and you know maybe there's a worry that he'll get washed out a little bit in the nfl in terms of physicality like people can bump him and and, and do some things where he won't be as effective but I just think overall his skill set is something that I've always really enjoyed watching on the field. And I think will translate well to the NFL because you can do so many different, you can put him anywhere and he'll be successful. Um, so for me, that's, that's the dude I would roll with. And I know he's getting the lowest draft evaluation of those guys, but um, I'm, I'm, that's, that's what's surprising to me. I don't know, man. How do you feel about it? Yeah. I think you made a good case, you know, probably, probably I would be, I would be amenable to taking Garrett Wilson. I just think his, his upside is huge. If I were just thinking about it in terms of the tools, but man, Olavi's such a, he's such a steady hand. He's that guy that you feel like could go out and game on the line. You know, when they, when they use the cliches, like ice in his veins, you know, that's the guy I think of he mm. is, he is Mr. Reliable. So uh, your, your caveat about it depends on who you got on the team and the cast character around him is spot on um, Garrett Wilson though. I mean, that guy just, He's a freak of nature. I, yeah. I, and, and not for nothing. I mean, uh, last week when, when Dan put together a roundup of who could draft these two cats, you look at 11 different teams, you know, he mentioned that right. could possibly end up with these two guys, uh, that to me speaks volumes about just how 
how hot commodity the the two of them are. And let's take this a step further to, and, and I know that we've been the biggest stands for the wide receiving room at Ohio state over the mm-hmm. past year and what Brian Hartlight's done. But you think about three first round draft picks there. Uh, when, when you talk about the three guys we've been talking about, and then you think, you know, there could be one or two more still in the room yet in the drafts ahead. Uh, oh yeah. I just continue to marvel at the ungodly collection of talent that that has been in the wide receiver room over the past 24 months we, at Ohio State University. Well, it might be one of those situations, and, and we've seen this before at other positions, especially at um, defensive line, where you're like, okay, these guys are incredible. And then a couple years later, a year later, somebody else comes down the line like, oh my God, this is the... <laughs> This is the standard. This is the person who just completely rewrites everything. And Jackson Smith and Jigba might be that dude. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. We, we've, we've, we spent all this time talking about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and also Jameson Williams, because he's really good. And by the way, not, uh, not to knock his skills either. He is recovering from the ACL tear, but uh, he's back to uh, full strength. That dude is a home run hitter, right? That a lot of people haven't seen in a long time. So he could end up being the best of the three. I don't know. Um, but Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's coming off this unbelievable mind-bending performance in the Rose Bowl. And I don't think that's a fluke. I think that they are capable of doing that absolutely any team on their schedule. And hopefully that won't become necessary because it was absolutely necessary for him to have, you know, a trillion yard catching mm-hmm. against uh, the Utes. But um, I just think that he might have a ceiling that's maybe even a little bit higher than those other dudes so i'm i'm excited to see how this all progresses and like you said man even even taking him out of the equation you still have a insanely loaded wide receiver room so it, it's cool to see that uh evolution and um you know who who's next and all that because i think it's one of those things that we're like you can't sleep on it you know it's, it's something you always want to pay attention to and that's why like i said if, if you're an ohio state fan who ostensibly doesn't have an nfl team and doesn't really have that much interest well maybe it's it behooves you to watch the nfl draft at this point because it, it, maybe it's an indicator of how well your your program is doing especially in some certain you know sexy positional areas Mm-hmm. And you look at the roundups and, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, the, the team put out a, a roundup of the mock drafts as they stood in, in mid-April of where various Ohio state guys were going to go. And, and it seemed like some of the most popular destinations for Garrett Wilson would be, you know, the jets, uh, probably a lot of people had him going number 11 to the commanders, um, several possibilities of the saints you know i keep always thought of them as the new orleans buckeyes so it wouldn't surprise me at all to see a guy like that go go to the saints uh i will say it doesn't look like either of our teams are going to get these two guys no you're you're, you're Bengals Bengals just too good good. yeah yeah it's wild uh (laughs) wild times and alave you know again you're looking at a lot of the same teams for either of those guys the falcons the jets the commanders the texans uh what's best case scenario for for those guys oh. in terms of the scenario, you know, the, the teams they could go to, you know, Olave a couple weeks ago had a lot of people looking at him in the late, late, uh, say, you know, number 22 to the Packers. Uh, yeah. That's not a bad go, go play with Rogers for one. one yeah. Year. I don't, could, I don't could, think that would be <laughs> too rough for him. I think he'd enjoy could that. Could be worse. Could be worse. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to think uh, about, you know, the, the commanders come up a lot here and I, I don't know how to feel about that situation for either of those guys, the saints, you feel like that's a pretty stable franchise, although, you know, you're, you're not playing with, uh, with Drewby anymore since he's ridden off into the sunset. Uh, there's just a lot of quarterback turnover. It feels like in the league recently. Oh yeah. So you know, these long standing established quarterbacks, you know, you're not going to go play with, uh, you know, Brady for too much longer, Rogers, too much longer, Roethlisberger's gone and so on and so forth. Right. Uh, who, wh- where, where would you like to see these guys show up if, and, and maybe I should phrase the question this way. Are you a guy who follows where these former Ohio state players go with great interest if they're not on your team? I think it depends on the dude. Uh, there are definitely guys that I, I really do follow and want them to be successful. And it's interesting to kind of watch their career. Um, I, it's not an awesome situation uh, <laughs> to go to the commanders, but man, I, I would love to see a lot of Wilson team up with scary Terry 
and, and do some damage in the league. That would be a lot of fun for me to watch. Uh, Terry McLaurin, as I will always say, is, is just a fantastic human being. And um, for him to be able to reunite with, you know, Ohio State players out in Washington would be pretty awesome. Um, as far as like, you know, fit, I mean, you mentioned the Packers, obviously. And, and yes, that is kind of a whole drama thing in of itself. But uh, Aaron Rodgers, despite all the drama that he brings, is is going to be great, right? Like he's going to come in and he's going to do his job and and be one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, so that's not a bad place to to land. Um, Patriots, you know, that would be something where it would probably just be a lave uh, if if someone gets it. But I think Mac Jones has him set up pretty well. I think he'll be a good quarterback mm-hmm. for a little bit. I don't think that's a bad spot for a lave to land. I, I don't see Wilson falling that far. Um, but that would be pretty good, I think. If you're if you're Chris Olave, I think that would be a good place to go. So uh, you know, in, in terms of pure interest on my part and and wanting to actually watch a Commanders game, I would I would definitely check out an all Ohio State you know, back, you know, wide receiver core. I think that would be fantastic to, to, to watch uh, no matter who's throwing into them. But, um, you know, I, I also want them to be successful. So that's part of it too. Yeah, absolutely. And looking at other names you mentioned earlier, Nicholas Petty Frere, uh, you know, no, there's a guy that maybe at least one, uh, one mock drafter had him going in the second round to the Stillers. Unfortunately, as many had him going to the Ravens, uh, mm. one of their second or third round picks that would hurt me deeply inside. <laughs> I know you would not be any more, uh, thrilled about it, but yeah, day two draft pick, you know, getting picked in the second round, I think both plausible and not a bad deal for Nicholas Petty Frere. That'd be a, that'd be a pretty good thing for him. Um, and, and I could absolutely see the Ravens going with a guy like that in you know the early part of the second round uh they could certainly use a guy with his skills uh and he, you know you that's a that's a program harbaugh's got a uh a team that's you know that hard-nosed kind of afc north smash mouth grind him out in the trenches kind of mindset and he, i think he'd be a good fit there as much as it pains me to say that yeah well and that's it's interesting too because you see there is you know there are some organizations in the nfl that are run very well and there are others that are not run particularly well and even if a player tends to drop in the draft or something it's nice to see them go to an organization uh albeit one that's in the same you know division uh that they can be successful in and have the potential to do some some good things so yeah i am with you though i mean it's not it's not great as a, a bengals fan to see a former ohio state player go to an in-division rival it was interesting looking at, you know, as you get further down into the list of Buckeyes who will be drafted, Jeremy Ruckert um, had quite a bit more variation. You know, he, mm-hmm. he, he was mocked as high as uh, second round to the Ravens again, uh, as low as the fifth round, 159th overall to the Colts. Uh, is that a guy that you look at and say, you know what, he's going to have a pretty decent career in the league or what's your, what, what's your thought about the big tight end? I think he's just kind of in a, he's in a weird spot because the way the NFL uses tight ends, I don't know that he necessarily got to, to showcase as much and he might catch on somewhere and, and become like a good utility guy, but I don't, I don't see him being a, you know, a big time impact player, unfortunately uh, in the league. So because of that, um, I think he's going to, he's going to fall a little bit. Haskell Garrett, potentially a fourth rounder seemed to be the consensus. I like some of the picks there. Uh, you know, the opportunity for him potentially to go team up with Jonathan Hankins. Uh, if he went with the Raiders or big John you know, Hankins, what I love that dude, that, that, that dude is still in the league that, that I love it. I love the fact that he is still rolling and doing his thing in the NFL in 2022. I think yeah. Because awesome. he was drafted in what? 2013. Yes, yeah, uh, big, big guys, 30 years old now, um, you know, yeah. Second round, second round, uh, in 2013. So gee, many Christmas he's, he's old man now in, yeah. uh, especially for, but, but, you know, you look at, um, we were talking about Cameron Hayward here several times over, over the course of the NFL season, because he's one of my favorite, uh, pros in the league right now you know, so there's, there's a couple of these guys out there um for ohio state who who were taken you know now nearly 10 years ago and 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 are doing well 
in the league. So good for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, to see, to see Haskell Garrett go, uh, be on the line with that guy, would be kind of cool or going to the chargers to, to go reunite with, uh, with Joey Boza, another, another Buckeye outstanding defensive lineman would be kind of, uh, be kind of fun little story there. Yeah. Uh, Thera Munford potentially going to going to be a, a, another consensus fourth round guy. A couple, a couple different mocks had him some interesting places and, and then defensive end Tyreek Smith. He's going to be a late, uh, a couple guys had him in the fir- fourth round, but seemed like more a sixth or, or seventh round guy. How do you feel about this draft overall for Ohio state? You know, there, there have been some years in recent history where it just seemed like Ohio state had buckets and buckets of guys. This one feels like, you know what, it's going to be a huge draft because it's so top heavy with the two wide receivers, but, but, but you know, overall, how do you feel about the, the depth of this draft class for the Buckeyes? I think it's good. I, the thing in though, is that if you're an Ohio state fan, the biggest thing that you really want is for this to be an advertisement for the school. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's a huge part of it. If, if you're looking for a way to continue to make an impact in college football, you have to prove to recruits that they can make an impact in pro football. And I think that that first round, that first day, especially once they get out of the top five and, and, you know, there's drawn. And by the way, I think there's going to be a butt ton of trades too, because you were mentioning, for example, the, the quarterback situation and everything. Um, I, I think there is going to be a butt ton of trades in the first round. Um, and because of that, I think once that's kind of cleared away a little bit and the, the first five or six picks are, are settled, it's going to become the Ohio state wide receiver show. And they want their, they're going to focus their narrative on Jamo and Chris Lave and Garrett Wilson and where they're going to go. And, you know, th- there's nothing bad about showing their highlights on repeat for the better part of an hour. I guess if you want an advertisement as an Ohio state, you know, football fan or coach or player or anything like that, that is a, that's going to be a big, big boost uh, for the school. That's establishing Ohio state as like wide receiver. You would be pretty hilarious for one and also pretty awesome. So I'm excited about that. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. We'll be looking forward to tuning in Thursday night to the first round and uh, see how roundly and soundly the commissioner is booed again this year. And of course we, as is tradition, we we can share our takes and reactions next week on the dubcast. So send us your uh, favorite NFL draft takes uh, as as Buckeyes and other players of interest, I suppose, are are drafted here over the uh, the end of the weekend. All right, let's shift gears from the draft to shooty hoops. Big news this week. You know, we talked uh, a couple episodes ago that Thad Motto was getting back into the coaching ranks, going back to the Butler Bulldogs. Well, man with a plan took a couple of of his former players with him, Greg Oden and John Diebler. Joining the staff at Butler. All right, give me your gut reaction. You mm-hmm. as as a Thad Mata fan, as, as as we all are, of course. Uh, how did you feel about this when when this news popped? What was your initial gut reaction to these hires? I mean, it's awesome, right? Like it's I love that he's getting the band back together. Diebler is an awesome guy. Uh Greg Oden, I've I've not met but or talked to, but um, he seems like a solid dude. Uh, I think that'll be a lot of fun. And I don't know. I don't know if it's going to translate to wins or not. I don't know how they would be as coaches. Although, you know, with the dealers, you, you can maybe assume that it not, it'd work out pretty well. Um, but I just, it, it definitely slay like slams that nostalgia button for me. Right. Like there's a giant red button in the back of my brain that says nostalgia. This is like just hitting it repeatedly uh, and shooting that dopamine right into my veins. Cause that is, that's just so much fun to see those guys kind of back together and, and doing their thing. Um, yeah, man, I, it's, 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 it's cool. I guess if you're an Ohio state fan, maybe you're a little upset and say, okay, well, that's a missed opportunity, but that's not the connection those guys have. That well, model was and, always. And I suppose we should be clear that these two guys are not going to be among the full-time assistants yeah, you know, yeah, on, yeah. on the bench. Right. These are, these are in some sort of, of support staff type roles. Right. Um, you know, Odin's been on staff, if you will, as a graduate assistant under Holtman. So, mm-hmm. you know, coach, coach Holtman did bring the big man on, um, yeah. you, you know, I, I can get, cause people definitely had takes about this as part of the reason I brought this up is that people definitely had takes, uh, about it. And I think, you know, part of it is there's some sentiment that fans who are not happy with the current state of Ohio state basketball for for whatever reason, say not winning NCAA tournament games, as an example, uh, are a, 
nonplussed that Thad Mata is back in the coaching ranks when maybe people are having a bit of, of, of uh, nostalgia for the, the glory days of the Mata era here. And then you see two beloved Buckeye players going and joining up with him mm-hmm. in, in some capacity or other. I mean, it's just a story rife with opportunity for people to like have emotions uh, if you're an Ohio state basketball fan, both pro and con, like you could be super sure. happy for Mata Odin and Diebler and, and also uh, be like grumpy, I guess that you can be, I mean, you can be grumpy, but like Thad Mata was such a player's coach and is such a player's coach, obviously, because he's back uh, that, that, I mean, you would love for their allegiance to always be to Ohio state forever and ever and ever, blah, blah, blah. but uh, their allegiance is that Mata because that Mata is a dude who is basically universally beloved by the players that he had. And I, I would say almost universally beloved because maybe not every player uh, enjoyed playing under him. But for the most part, this is a guy who creates really strong relationships with the guys on his team. And, um, you know, I, I, I see what you're saying, right? Where it's there is a little bit of, uh, you know, grumbling about how Ohio State basketball is, has been going for the past couple of years. Um, but I don't know that that's really something that's like an indicator of some of the, the failures, um, under the Holtman regime. Now, what I will say is that, um, you know, there are plenty of other things that you can criticize Chris Holtman for. I'm not saying that (laughs) that is definitely something that you could, you could get into. But this is not one of them. This is not one of them. This is not one of them. Yeah. Yeah, But there are many others. (laughs) Now I want to, I want to talk about Thad Mott a little bit more news broke this week that Jay Wright, the longtime coach at Villanova, a national championship winning coach, a basketball hall of fame coach, uh, is retiring after 21 seasons at Villanova. Um, you know, this was an interesting story. I read read a piece uh, in The Athletic about it, the, talking about the fact that, you know, he basically said after, or actually I think even before during the uh, uh, conference tournament that he was retiring, uh, but he didn't want anybody to know until after the season because, you know, he's notoriously um, <laughs> doesn't like the attention uh, notoriously shy, I guess, about, about drawing the attention away from his players and mm-hmm. didn't want the story, the narrative to be about him. He wanted it to be about, you know, the guys in the tournament and so on. What, what was interesting about that piece is it went to great lengths talking about all of the things that a, a basketball coach, and this would be true of football as well, but has to deal with these days, NIL the transfer portal. Of course, with basketball, you have the added craziness of the AAU infrastructure and uh, all of the craziness that that brings along with it. And, and the piece sort of had this, uh, and I'd have to go back to see who wrote the piece, but it had sort of this, this feel about it that, you know, the sky is falling, um, you know, basketball is, and then people in the comments were definitely like, you know, the basketball is, has been ruined by all of this. And, and here we have, you know, prima facie case, because you've got Holtman, uh, you know, Coach Shashevsky, Roy Williams, all these great coaches heading to the exits uh, here over the last two seasons, Hall of Fame coaches heading to the exits. My mm-hmm. question for you is, one, is it as bad as it seems? Uh, and two, if we are, 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 if it is that bad, are we due for a correction? And what does that correction look like? I don't, I mean, I think it's different, right? And I, I think what's interesting about basketball, as you mentioned, is that there's a whole other set of dynamics working there than in in college football, because they, they already sort of have an established like pipeline and and way to figure that out. And and through the AAU stuff, I mean that, you know, people, I I was talking to a couple of my coworkers actually about, um, about some of this stuff and, you know, John Wooden came up for example. Right. And John Wooden is universally beloved and considered to be, you know, the wizard of Westwood. And he's one of the greatest college basketball, you know, coaches of all time, if not the greatest. Uh, he also had a booster, you know, basically paying players for decade, like over a decade. Sure. Um, and, and people don't want to talk about that. They don't want to get into that. Like, Oh no, how, no, John Wooden, he's, he, he loved his wife so much. Um, and, the thing is for me is that I think in one way it's very different, right? In one way that the, the route that these coaches have to navigate is very, very different than what it used to be. On the other hand, I don't think it's something that's so out of the realm of possibilities, particularly for college basketball, that a coach who wants to navigate those waters could. And so here's what I would say. I think that 
coaches who were already understood the game and knew how to play it and all this other stuff. I think those guys are relatively fine. I, I think they kind of get it. I think they understand what needs to be done and how to do it. And I think other coaches who maybe struggled with it regardless are going to have a harder time with this as well. So, you know, I, I wanted Chris Holtman to bring in every hot shot transfer possible. Um, and, and, you know, figure out NIL and all that kind of stuff, but maybe he, that's just not in his, in his wheel set and or in his, in his skill set. And, you know, talking about like, right. And everything, you know, maybe they just look at it and like, I don't want to figure out a whole new way to do this. Maybe I've, I've got what I do down and it, maybe it's time for me to mosey on, which is, you know, I understand. Um, but I also think it's important to emphasize that it's not like they're going from zero to a hundred here, right. They're, they're really going from like, 85 to 100 it's it's just in a different way i think yeah and you know wright was not the highest paid coach in the league i think he made a little better than six million uh this year he was the fifth highest paid coach in his final season um mm-hmm. you know his pay with the wildcats uh had apparently been oh less than four million dollars per season up till you know the last handful of years but but the guy was making some number of millions of dollars, right? Yep. So not, not nothing. I think if I were that guy, uh, and we could be talking about Shashevsky, we could be talking about Roy Williams, we could be talking about Bill Self, we could be talking about, you know, in, in any of the Tom Izzo. I think if I'm 60 some years old and I've been making more than a million, more than 2 million a year for the better part of, of my, you know, second half of my career, let's say, is, or, or my years as a head coach. And all of a sudden I've got to deal with NIL and the transfer portal, maybe the transfer portal, even more so just roster management um, in general, we could just boil this all down to roster management. I, I might really be tempted to say, you know, I think <laughs> I just want to go fishing every day. Yeah. I, I, I well, just but, really, but see, and, and that's not a, and, and the problem that I have here yeah. is I like the player mobility that the portal brings. I think that's because coaches certainly have the mobility. You and I, as, as adults, like, you know, if you hate your job, go find another job, you know, like it's, it's easier said than done. Sure. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that, that you can just literally pick up and go, but you have the ability. If another company comes along and offers you more money, you can go take that. Coaches can do that in their role. And the players never could until, until Mm now, same with NIL, you know, the idea that, um, you and I as college students could go and get a part-time job to pay our way and do those sort of things. But a, a college football or basketball player, you know, they do anything seemingly, and they're suddenly ineligible, uh, while their schools are making hundreds of millions of dollars off athletics, you know, it, it's, it's, I'm, I'm okay with the changes that have happened because I think they're fair and equitable to players. And at the same time, <laughs> if, if I were a long tenured coach and I wasn't worried about the money. I think I'd absolutely say, yeah, I'm oh, yeah. I, let's I get, let's, let's I get go it. to the beach. Let's go buy a boat. You well, know? okay. But then that, so I agree with you. I mean, I would, I would, I would do that. I'd be like, screw it. I'm, I'm good. I've, I've made millions of dollars. It's I'm, I'm good. But on the other hand, I'm not, I don't have the mentality of a big time college coach where it's like winning is everything and that, mo- you know, all that stuff. So maybe they're not just motivated by the money. What I find interesting is a guy like Thad Mata who gets back into the game. It blows my mind. Right, because nobody expected that. And, and honestly, we made jokes about it because part of his uh, contractual obligation with Ohio State was that if he wanted to continue to get paid after he was fired, um, he needed to you know interview for jobs. And so yep. we would like make a joke about it, how every year he would take his little tour and you know go on trips to Georgia or California or whatever and, and quote-unquote interview for jobs. And you're like, Haha, that's never going to happen. And then he ends up back at Butler and everybody's like i'm sorry what and you know it's just it's it's interesting because he you know that model was ran a pretty clean program it, it doesn't feel like this is a guy who you know maybe engaged with a ton of that stuff and now he's going to enter in this whole new world of of nil and transfers and all that stuff so that that to me is is an interesting storyline in of itself how he is going to adapt to that i think he'll be fine because he's a personable dude and he's intelligent and he's good at his job um but it's it's fascinating that that's the decision he chose to make i'm really interested to see how he handles all of this uh because i I agree with you i think he'll 
adapt and be just fine and great. But, but I'm with you wholeheartedly because, you know, that was, that was one of the things, I mean, it's been discussed many, many times was in an era where the shoe money was going crazy and bags were being dropped with reckless abandon. Mata was a guy who was known for running a clean show. And yeah. this, you know, I guess maybe now, because this is all above board in theory, you know, that you can, your NIL collective can go and, and do the legal bag dropping for you. Maybe mm. that all, but I, I just really wonder to, um, the, the, the roster management part of it, even if I set aside the money, uh, yeah. and the craziness of, you know, appeasing AAU handlers and some of that is the roster management that comes with all of this today uh trying to figure out okay which team is going to buy which recruit while you're worried about which of your recruits is going to you know hit the portal and and peace out those are all things um that just it's there's a lot going on here let's talk about ohio state a little more specifically uh ohio state snubbed by another uh guard transfer nigel pack who was one that i think they were pretty interested in he went to miami not a bad choice i suppose if you're uh uh, a student athlete and you want to get in the South Florida lifestyle, Ohio state did get West Virginia transfer guard, Sean McNeil, you know, Seth Towns is coming back. Malachi Branham is still out there. Maybe thinking about <laughs> coming back. He sort of floated it this week. He's know. gone. He, we yeah. Both know. yeah. I mean, I a hundred percent believe he's gone. That's why when he said this weekend, you know, that, uh, he needs, don't, don't, feedback. don't let that give you hope. If you're listening to this and you're going, maybe no, don't, don't do that to yourself. Hey, hey, but Hunter Dickinson, Hunter Dickinson coming back to Michigan also surprised me. Yeah. But I think he's a dope. So I don't. <laughs> okay. So, you know, he's just talking about the, the case of an, of an intelligent Buckeye versus one of those kids from up North. Yeah. Oh, they don't okay. know. I guess that's sort of, I guess that sort of makes sense. Doing. Uh, you know, it's, is there enough NIL money out there to convince Malachi Branham to stay instead of taking oh, that NBA money? Maybe. Well, okay. So then maybe that's what the, maybe that's literally what this is. Maybe it's okay. I need more information from the NBA because I got to figure out exactly where I'm going to be. And this, by the way, is why I didn't think he would declare because if you want guaranteed money, you really like really transformational. Okay. This is like, I'm set for life kind of money. NBA is a little bit different and, and you need to like make sure that you're one of those top 10 picks. Um, and granted, yeah, you're still getting paid either way. I'm not saying like this isn't transformational money. Yeah. But way. when you, when you go over like, you know, but there's a huge real difference adult between, money, right? Yeah. There's a huge difference between like top five, top 10 pick in the NBA and like 25, right? Like there's a huge difference. So I, you know, if, if somebody's telling Brandon, I'm like, Hey man, you, you'll be a first rounder. Like, what does that mean? Right. And I, if I'm him, I would want to know exactly where, my draft eval is. So if somebody comes out and says, yeah, well, you'll be, you know, 25th. <laughs> and I'm like, well, shoot, I can do the same thing with NIL money. What, what the hell? I'll just stay in college and, and get a better valuation. That that's the mental math that I thought that he would do. Now, granted, he might go way higher than I expect. And maybe that's what he was hearing. Um, and that's why, you know, he made that decision, but I don't know. I, I can see why he would want more information, but it's, Again, I, I don't think anyone hearing this or reading about this should go, oh, well, then, you know, there's a chance. Like, I, I still think the odds of him leaving for the NBA are extremely high. Well, you know, and things are kind of, I, I, this all, the, this draft, I think, is really interesting to me, uh, particularly with Branham. You know, I was watching, I was looking at some mock drafts here, getting ready for this, and you know, the bleacher report, uh, earlier this month had Branham as high as at number 10. So you're in that kind of real adult money you're talking yeah, about. And that's, you know, and if he gets that, then, then there you go. But CBS this week, on the other hand, you know, has him as number 26 NBC sports right. had him as number 27. So again, you've got a fair bit of variation there. Yeah. And that's, and that if I were him, I would definitely want clarity on that. Right. Like that's, that would be pretty big to me. Um, the other thing that's interesting is I'm looking at that CBS sports mock draft from probably two days ago, three days ago, I've got Brandon going at 26. They've got EJ Liddell going at number 27. All right. <laughs> I, I, I mean, do you see Brandon going ahead of Liddell? I, I mean, I have no idea at this point. I, I feel like right now they're just throwing stuff at a wall and see what sticks. It's really weird to me because that, and maybe the, it's just this particular season in the NBA draft. Um, but yeah, that's, that's odd to me for a lot. Of, like all of that's odd. The, the variance and where he might go and relation to Liddell, it's just, 
I don't know. It feels like there's a lot of uncertainty when typically there isn't that much. Yeah, the NBC uh, sports draft I talked about earlier. Let me see when this one was published. This one was published early April. So, so this is probably three weeks old now. I had Liddell going at like number 23, 23 or 24 uh, to at 27. Hmm. Um, yeah, 23 versus 27. That crazy bleacher report one <laughs> that had Branham at number 10 has Liddell at 24. And the CBS sports one, which is probably the most recent of the three, as I say, had Branham at 26 and Liddell at 27. I, I just find, I find that really interesting. seems like there's a lot more agreement on Liddell that he's going to be, you know, an early to mid 20 something mm -hmm. uh, versus versus Branham. And, and the reason the Branham thing, and again, I'm with you, I think he's gone regardless, but if there were some crazy NIL money that would keep him happy uh, for, for a year that Ohio state could rent his services one more go around. I think he could play himself into being a top 10 pick. I, I really do. Sure. I think he's got, I think he's got the skills to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I mean, we'll see what happens. We've got a little bit of, a little bit of time left to, to watch that. Um, Seth Towns is back, you know, so if Brandon's gone, <laughs> I don't mean to poke fun at, at Seth Towns. I just, it's, it's really interesting because it feels like Ohio state didn't get, didn't get the point guard they needed right. off the transfer wire. They've got some guard play. Um, but I, I guess I like probably a lot of listeners have some concerns that we're going to see a bunch of role players out there without a go-to guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you get McNeil and that's great. Um, you know, out of, I think West Virginia, right? Yep. Yeah. So, um, which, you know, that's, a, that's a well-coached team. So getting, getting the Huggy Bears guys, you know, that's, that's all to the good. He, yeah, McNeil should be a guy who, who knows his way uh around the backcourt so that that to me i mean i think that's a i think that's a nice pickup yeah uh, which is fine but not you know well he's a guy that averaged 12 points two and a half rebounds one and a half assists per game last season yeah okay that's, that's solid ohio yeah state, ohio state needs that production yeah uh but what they really need is like floor leadership i that's yep. the thing though like you really it's you want you don't just want a guy, right? You don't just want like production. You need more than that, I think. And um, I don't know necessarily that they have that yet. So it's, you know, this next season, I've said it multiple times. I, I think it's absolutely make or break for Holtman. And, and maybe Ohio State won't be that impatient. But for me, I'm like, I don't see how it gets demonstrably better, um, you know, if, if this season isn't successful because you're really playing with the same guys and I know like, Oh, well, they'll improve. Okay. Well, what, how long is this project going to last? Right? Like how, how many years are you willing to wait to develop dudes potentially? Um, and while continually not getting who you need in the, uh, in the uh, transfer portal. So it, I don't know, you better produce and you better hope that a guy like me, Neil is, is really that missing piece. Cause otherwise I think it's going to be uh, a long season of just trying to even figure out what works. All right, we'll talk more about that as the offseason rolls on and the uh, roster is finalized. We're going to come back in a moment and talk about Ohio State's football depth chart and roster momentarily. But first, time for your favorite segment of mine, Ask Us Anything, which is like the entire Dubcast, sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Drygoods.11warriors.com will be your home for hats, T-shirts, stickers, barware, anything for the discerning fan of your favorite podcast dealing with all things Buckeye sports, drygoods.11warriors.com. What have we in the mailbag this week, my friend? Well, we're going to remind you, if you want to ask us anything, you can send us a question to uh, dubcast at 11warriors.com. Almost forgot what our address was for that. That's cool. Uh, you've, only been doing the, you've only been doing the show, you know, for a decade now. Yeah, I mean, for a decade. It, yeah. It, it a literal decade too that's good um okay so Kudos here we go you, this, my man that's a long time to be doing anything let alone a podcast about your favorite sports team that's oh i mean gosh. my hat's yeah. off to you me amigo thank you do you know um, what the actual anniversary of of the the founding of ye old dubcast is we i have a general special... yeah i have a general idea basically the way it started so i don't know if anybody remembers luke zimmerman but i i, I do so okay so and luke's a great dude and at the time he was kind of like you know the jack of all trades for 11 warriors I and mean, this is again a long time ago but he did all kinds of different stuff for the site and i noticed that like i like the black heart gold 
pot pants podcast that was i thought that was hilarious and you know their intros are really funny and whatnot and 11 warriors didn't have an ohio state sports podcast and as far as i could tell i didn't see any other ohio state sports podcast not that i looked particularly hard but i was like you know we should have one and so i talked to him about it and i think it was late i want to say mid to late december of like 2011 and then that's when we we got that thing rolling um using some insane archaic <laughs> like i know for a long time we used um oh god what's the what was like the the original you know the one that everybody was using to like communicate across time and space online you know what i'm talking about <laughs> i can't believe i forget the name well, of the see I, was, I don't know i was going back uh i was going oh skype yeah skype we were using oh. skype oh that's funny i still use skype to do some tv stuff yeah skype kind of, still exists kind of, it's a little thing school. but we were using yeah. skype and the audio quality was just absolute trash and i'm pretty sure i was yelling into my computer because we <laughs> didn't have mics um a, a, a lenovo that i had purchased in japan for like 200 dollars. <laughs> so that it was great great quality um but yeah that's that's basically how we got rolling with that and uh i've just burned through co-host ever since (laughs) (laughs) thanks and you know what andy and and i appreciate you for hanging in there as long as you have because i was was like how long do i have to stick around to be the longest uh tenured (laughs) co-host not that long Uh, (laughs) but we should uh we should you're coming up on it we i'll have to i'll have to i'll do some looking into that and i want to see if if you surpass it we'll have to throw you a little party well, we're going to, we, we need to figure out like what the official, uh, you know, anniversary date is and we'll have like a star studded. We really should. We should bring in all the former co-hosts. We oh should. Bring... That'd, be, that'd so, be incredible. Luke, Sarah Hardy, Citro, Bo Bishop. And then I think you, and I, I could be missing somebody. We, we, really so we, we like get it. We got to do a round table and we'll have Ramsey cook up like uh, a bourbon tasting or something yeah, uh, because like, that's a that's a group when you mentioned sarah i when i started reading the site and i didn't intend for ask us anything to turn into andy asking johnny anything but this is kind of fun anyway i remember uh when i first started reading the site and we used to have a kind of a rotating cast of characters doing the skull sessions Mm -hmm. and sarah i think it was sarah was the was the one who was really big on the footnotes am i remembering that right yeah she did she did a whole um Oh, what was the name of that author? The guy who did like a supposedly fun thing I will never do again. And um oh god, I gotta look up this dude. David Foster Wallace. He was a, she she basically did the David Foster Wallace thing where like everything had like footnotes embedded, yeah. And um, you know, there were extensions on what she was writing. It was really I don't think anyone's actually done anything like that since. I, I um, love her writing was really cool. Yeah, I, I loved it. It was absolutely one of my favorite. And, and, you know, there, there have been some fun things about the site over the years that I, as a reader, really geeked out about. Mm-hmm. That was one, uh, you know, when DJ did the the uh, presidential power parlay, that was one of oh, my God. absolute favorite yeah. series of all times. And that was Pretty definitely cool. one that I think you either loved it or you hated it or you, or <laughs> you loved it. Like You either was, loved it or you were wrong. You you loved it or you didn't get it. It's kind of yeah. what, what how I felt about it, because like that was one of my absolute favorite series of all time. And I, I that's what I had became a DJ stand over that specific series. Sure. Um, and and, you know, your threat level series has, has become that for me <laughs> oh, now, you. you know, that 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 fun, like, you know, this just because like, you know, what's great. funny about that. I know we're not even talking about asking us anything, which is a shame, but I'm going to, I'm going to say this about uh threat level briefly. Um, so first of all, <laughs> I, I kind of put on like a show about how much I hate writing it. And sometimes I do hate writing it because it's just a funeral dirge, but you know, Michigan was much more interesting this past season. And so it was more interesting to write. What I find fascinating is the reception that it has gotten over the years. And I think I've been doing it for like four years now uh, on, on social media, particularly on Reddit. And it gets posted on Reddit very regularly during the regular season. Yes, it and, and it's hilarious because again, I don't think it's changed at all. Like threat level. I, it, it, you know, people are like, Oh, it's not fun anymore. I don't think it was ever funny. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's not as good as it used to be. I'm like, if you don't like it now, why did you ever like it? Oh, that's great. It's the same crap. So, like, Johnny Ginner 
or let's let's be real it's not a it's not a professional writer <laughs> so it's pretty much the same dumb jokes and so it's just funny to me because like i'll watch it I'll, I'll like some people be like oh man this was this one was hilarious this week not like last week and i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> so it just it, the reception just my my really favorite is, is funny is, to me my favorite is the chris the um, michigan redditors who will like just oh get my god they're so exercised salty. yeah they just good uh, lord know, it, that it just cracks me up every time just yeah every it's time. really funny. So funny and i think this past season because michigan obviously was very successful oh, sure. they got super angry about any you know intimation that their their team might not be amazing which which shows you that at heart um, you know, they really are just Ohio State fans in different colors. And, and that's that's a whole other thing that I could get into. But um, yeah, it's it's funny to me. Like they they really have this whole veneer of you know the Harvard of the of the Midwest and all this stuff. Um, but they're really they're just the same kind of flavor of fan as Ohio State fans. They just try to pretend that they're not. Um, anyway, here's ask us anything. Let's go to the mailbag. <laughs> Uh, so first question from a good friend, Alvin, who wants to know who was the greatest Avenger Marvel. I don't know why he had to put Marvel in, in parentheses. Case we, in case we forgot. I kind of assumed that was because we got, got the yeah. justice league and the Avengers, uh, mixed up all of a sudden. It, it's funny. I came across, um, I came across, I think like it was probably a Quora chat about this earlier that before that the, the, the person that was asking the question was, was essentially trying to make the case or the claim that prior to the Avengers movies, that most of the members of the Avengers were B and C tier characters in the Marvel. Oh, sure. Pantheon. Yeah. Like Iron Man wasn't a freaking A lister in Marvel at all. Like, well, you, you and, and I really struggled with that. When I first read it, I, I sort of rejected it out of hand. And it was because so in, in, dad's closet in our house when we were kids he had an orange crate full of comic books from when mm -hmm. he was younger so we're talking you know dad is born in the 50s we're talking these were probably you know late 60s maybe some in the very early 70s you know um but but most of them were mid to late 60s era comics and maybe it was just these were these were the titles that dad was interested in for whatever reason rather than that these were the most popular title but they were thor iron man and captain america those were mm -hmm. the three that he had the most of and there were some others in there like i like there were some x-men comics in there maybe I, i'd have to go back and really think about it but i very specifically remember it's some fantastic four so this writer was making the case that you know like the fantastic four x-men trying to think who else they lumped in there were, were like marvel's a tier uh spider-man you know it was like spider-man Fantastic Four, X Men; those were those were the 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 A listers of the Marvel world, and then it's the just these Avengers movies that have put Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor up there, the, the Hulk, you know, up to there to the to the A tier. Uh, who is the greatest Avenger? I'm so this is how like sappy, uh, you know, kind of hokey Americana I am. It's it, Captain America for me is the guy. I well. I don't makes, think that's sad. I mean, he's, he's, well, he's if, a if fascinating of, character. He's well, a very nuanced, I'm very like, much into his like, comic book publication history is incredibly interesting. Well, particularly for him to be relevant, you know, because this is a guy like his heyday was, was, you know, the red skull is an avatar for the Nazis. Right. Yeah. And so the, the, the I mean, not average, straight up is a Nazi. Yeah. yeah right. 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 But I'm like, the, the, you know, Hydra and, and the whole nine yards. Yeah. I mean, it's very like, world war ii centric and the fact that now here we are 70 years later that he's still relevant to a whole different generation mm -hmm. of 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 comic book you know readers of movie watchers of uh i i really found the um and the miniseries falcon and the winter soldier really interesting i thought that was very well done on disney mm -hmm. plus um you know we've kind of been mcu fans but i i really love chris evans portrayal of captain america i thought there was it showed a really great character arc you know his development as a as a person as a character um was i thought really really well done from the first avenger clear through to to uh in game and yeah i i quite like it a lot there's several marvel characters i really really enjoy you know thor thor is a fun character at least i mean the modern um iteration i enjoy the north mythology kind of the you know the haphazard way they employ Norse mythology in the thor character series uh 
I didn't really have an opinion about Iron Man before the Iron Man movies. Uh, I would say that, you know, that was a really well done. That was another really well done character. It's just kind of amazing how well almost all of those movies, uh, 40, some of them, how many of them there are now, they, they all feel like they've been really, really well done. And the actors, yeah. that, they've been well cast. Um, Chadwick Boseman as the Black Panther was freaking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, but Captain America is my answer. Great, greatest Avenger. He's he's the linchpin, the straw that stirs the drink, um, the man with the plan. Peace, peace, justice, the American way. He's my guy. <laughs> I I mean, I would have to agree with that. And the thing about the thing about Captain America that I find really interesting is that in the so you know in the original comics captain america wasn't part of the original avengers he was he was introduced because he was like this old uh character that they had had from when marvel wasn't even marvel at the time i forget what their original name of the company was but he was a character that was introduced as you know one of these like you know all american fighting the nazis and hitler kind of thing and then he kind of fell out of you know favor not favor but he just he wasn't used really post-world war ii until the avengers started to become more of a thing and stan lee was like what if we like brought this dude back and he's been frozen in time for like 25 years or whatever and i i like the original intent behind the character was this man out of time and they have done such a really interesting thing with that throughout his run as a character and then in the movies and things like that i I love the first Captain America movie. I, I think it's really good. It's directed by Joe Johnson, you know, who did like Rocketeer. And you can see a lot of those, you know, influences in other movies that he did. Um, but I like, I I think he's pretty awesome. And I agree with you. I think that uh, Chris Evans' um, portrayal of him was was really, was really great. So I would, I would say that, yeah, he's the greatest Avenger. And I think he has probably the most interesting backstory just for like historical reasons. And the other thing, I mean, I thought about this too, and it's, it's, you know, like Magneto, for example, his backstory involves like the Holocaust, which of course is like super heavy and, and, you know, intense, but also like, it's kind of time constrained too. And, and so that's almost the same thing with uh, Captain America, where you've got a guy who fought in world war two and we're approaching a time period, the next, you know, 15, 20 years where there won't be any more world war two veterans. So that's something that I think is really fascinating, how a character like that evolves over time and how our understanding of that changes. Um, but because of the themes that he represents and, and what he kind of means that I think, um, you know, that will, he'll, he'll still be relevant in the future. I, I think he'll still continue to be a, a big factor in that. So cool character. I agree. I'm, I'm definitely down with Captain America. I had to look um, this up. So the original Avengers, Stanley and, and Jack Kirby, uh iron man ant-man hulk thor and the wasp yeah the of the original uh set of the avengers 1963 hulk's a hulk's a really interesting uh avenger too in a lot of ways and there was just uh there was a run of the hulk i think called the immortal hulk yeah that just finished a few maybe i don't know five or six months ago um and that whole it was like a horror like series basically and that was some wild stuff. So I think the Hulk's another guy where you can you can take that character and adapt it in a lot of different ways for the times. Um, and, you know, as a result, they stay relevant. So I kind of like that. You know, and I, th- I find, you know, the, the, the thing that's interesting about the movies is, is the movies have, you know, made me interested in a lot of these characters. Some of them I never knew. Um, some of them I didn't hadn't really just paid much attention to. Hulk was one that when I was collecting comics as a, as a, as a young boy, um, I was very interested in and and had several Hulk comics. Uh, the movie rights situation, the fact that we're not going to get any standalone Hulk movies uh, because of some of the the, the, the rights. I think Sony still retains some of the rights to any standalone Hulk films. Uh, you know, it's aggravating as hell. <laughs> We've gotten mm-hmm. the Spider-Man. They got the Spider-Man situation resolved such that they've had a really good run of Spider-Man movies in the MCU. That's not going to happen with Hulk. And that's kind of unfortunate. But there again, you know, to, to show my, uh, I don't know, nostalgia for my youth. I really enjoyed Lou Ferrigno and, and, uh, Bill Bixby as the incredible Hulk on television. I mean, (laughs) I I know it's hokey as heck to look back at it now. And you've got Lou Ferrigno, you know, painted green and, and with the, the funky wig and things, but 
I really did you ever watch the TV series? No, that was that was not unfortunately in my wheelhouse, but I do enjoy the, you know, the opening and the intro and all that. Pretty pretty classic. That's pretty yeah, fun. Yeah, I just Lou Ferrigno was, you know, uh it was wild. I I just I mean, what a what a magical time that was, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh he said, "Let's take this bodybuilder and paint him green and make a TV series out of it." I mean, Lou Ferrigno's a big dude too, so that, that makes sense. Uh, okay, so this next one here, this is from uh, Nick Jervy. Love love any question. Love talking to and about and and answering yeah, questions from talk, Nick Jervy. Talk about an erudite gentleman. He's fantastic. And by the way, speaking of which, his question is, congratulations, as the new czar of the English language, you have the ability to wipe your least favorite grammatical slash usage mistake from the world, i.e. dominate performance or your bias. <laughs> The trade-off is if you do that, your second and third biggest pet peeves are now twice as common. Will you do the deed? So first of all, Andy, what is what is the one that like bothers you the most? I don't know that I like have one that really grates on me right now. I mean, the common ones he cited are, are good. You know, there's a there's a great little YouTube video. There's these two guys, and I don't really watch their channel very much, but they're called the Vlog Brothers. And some years ago, and I mean like maybe 10 they the, the one brother did a, a piece and it's probably a five minute long rant of of stuff you're saying wrong <laughs> and okay you know and it's a lot of both um you know phrases that we use incorrectly so the obvious example would be you know the couldn't care less you know um, sure, yeah. and, and people say you know people say you know i I could care less, uh, you know, well, you clearly yeah. do care. So, so, you know, you could, you could get like that, that error could, is it could or couldn't the one that he uh, highlighted that always tickled me is because I always said this wrong for years you say, okay, um, let's say you're, you're, you're in a group and um, you know, maybe uh, a couple of people are going to go, let's say you're at a bar, right? You're going to, you're sitting at a, you're sitting at a booth and a couple of you're going to go up to the bar to get more drinks and I'm going to stay here and I'm, I'm going to hold down the fort. Like you've used that phrase before you've heard mm -hmm. that phrase used before. Well, the fort is not inflatable and filled with helium. It is not going <laughs> to float away. You don't need to hold it down. It's a military metaphor. You're holding the fort. Yes. Right. So like he has this whole string of these and then words that uh, people say wrong. Um, you know, it's uh, uh meme, not Mimi, or it's haphazard, not haphazard. You know, he gives this mm -hmm. whole, this whole list of words and it's a really hilarious video. It's probably five minutes long. Uh, and so there's some of those that are in there, but I don't know if I have any that just really drive me crazy. Now it's probably, probably when I hear, and it's probably because I've watched that video no less than 10 times. Um, that the one about holding or holding down the fort just jumps out at me now do you know where hold the fort comes from um like because no. obviously it had been around but it, it entered popular usage around the time of the civil war and it actually comes from uh general william tecumseh sherman oh my god of, of course of course yeah. And every every great general in that war came from Ohio, and uh, it's without Ohio, the North does not win the war. That's right. I didn't realize that was a Shermanism. That's it incredible. was. It was, and it was during the the Atlanta campaign. There was a battle at a fort called uh, Alatuna, and um, basically they were there was a Union held fort, and they were getting attacked. And um, you know he he kind of entered a, a directive. He was like, just hold the fort at all costs. I'm coming. Um, and uh, the commander of the fort uh, uh, issued a response, which I believe should have been, you know, just as popular as hold the fort, which is because he got shot in the face, but he was oh. still alive. Wow. And so he issued a response that said, I am minus one cheekbone and one ear, but I can still beat all hell yet. <laughs> nice and I that is it. that's the one that i feel like should have entered in common usage but unfortunately hold the fort ended up being the uh the popular phrase out of that particular battle um I, you know there was one and i'm trying to remember it and i can't off the top of my head but there was one where it's a it's a common um like substitution or misspelling for a word that i that really pees me off but i haven't seen it in a while so clearly um it, it isn't that big of a deal anymore um but I don't really get too angry about most of that stuff because I, you know, words kind of evolve over time. I will say like, 
I don't know. It's hard for me to, the problem is, is that Nick, if I say something and then I say it again, right during the dub cast. Okay. You know what I mean? Like if I say there's a phrase or an idiom that bothers me and then I use it in the dub cast, I'm just going to have to like log off immediately because I don't know that I'll be able to handle that. So (laughs) I don't, (laughs) you know, and like, there are some that I think are understandable, especially the loan words that we get from French, which are just, why, why do we have these words? I don't understand why they have to be so complicated. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. The, the biggest one for me, I guess, that I, can, that I can actually think about, at least in terms of like misused phrases and, and terms, um, I really like the stuff that people use as filler words. I think sometimes people get a little too, um, I don't know. I, I, I think they get sometimes like, they get too, you know, haughty about it. People get like, oh, well, I can't believe you said like, you know, nip it in the bud or nip it in the butt instead of nip it in the bud. Or <laughs> like, okay, fine. Like I get, you know, but it's not like people are intentionally doing that. Um, I would have to say irregardless is probably the biggest one yeah. for me. And yeah. it's not that I think it's so horrible. I think it's an, a really easy thing to do. Yeah. Um, but it's also one of those that I, I feel at this point probably should have been like hammered into your head at some point. So I'll, I'll have to go with that one. And if the other two end up becoming twice as bad, then fine. It's, you know, I'll just accept that as part of the English language. Suck it up. Uh, okay. This is from Josh who wants to know what is the craziest thing that's currently on your bucket list of things that you want to do or try in your lifetime? Wow. That is a, that is a very good question. And I don't, well, I don't know if I have anything super crazy on my bucket list, frankly. Uh, you know, we talked uh, a couple episodes ago, somebody asked about countries we wanted to visit. So I think like a lot of travel is, is on my bucket list. Um, it's certainly like places and things I'd like to see, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, say like the grand Canyon, you know, some of the kind of like the great wonders of the world, <clears throat> but I'm not, <clears throat> I don't know. I guess I'm not a huge daredevil. So there's nothing like skydiving or bungee jumping yeah uh, those kind of things that are on on my list that that doesn't hold like a great amount of appeal to me um i you know the crazy things on my list would probably be like when the hound group at the westminster kennel club dog show <laughs> I mean, that'd like, be sweet you know like those th- 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 that's a pretty crazy dream because like to do that like that's a that's a you know th- that's a big deal people People mm-hmm. show the dogs their entire life and and never you know never do that um <clears throat> so those are probably the things that are more likely to be on my my bucket list uh the stunning mrs vance is much more of a daredevil than i am so she loves all of that sort of thrill seeking sort of thing uh so that yeah i don't know that i have anything super crazy on my bucket list my bucket list is more like want to go to china i want to go back to brazil i want to mm-hmm. you know go to go to japan and see some of those places I mean, there's a lot of it's, it's, it's a lot more travel and you know activities that we do as a family so a lot of a lot of like dog show type bucket stuff list because that's something that we're we're really into as a family i guess what about you any any kind of crazy, crazy i'm pretty low-key yeah, yeah i'm pretty low-key dude but i will say that <laughs> I don't know why this is something that I find interesting or, or really, you know, have thought about. I want to wear one of those uh, crazy volcano protective suits. Those like lava suits. Yeah. And then like kind of like go into like, I know it's dangerous, but for some reason, like, I'm usually like very danger averse. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I want to like get near one of those like huge big lava things in like Iceland or something and check out a volcano up close. I think that would be pretty wild. That is um, wild that's something i would be interested in doing i think at some point um if if only for the photo opportunities but yeah that's something i think would be pretty cool um so thank you for asking those questions that's fantastic as always and uh continue sending them in to the uh to the dubcast well done friends yeah great great set of questions okay let's finish this thing up you know as we look at ohio state's uh football depth chart you know ryan day said last week after the spring game that jt Tuimalau and jack sawyer are going to be a force in the fall some great defensive linemen and then you know about three days later defensive lineman noah potter enters the transfer portal you know you and i were talking earlier about basketball and the challenge of roster management um is is potter somebody that the buckeyes are going to miss 
a a great deal? Did did this surprise you uh, at all that the former four star recruit out of Mentor um, was looking for greener pastures? Is this just the reality of life and big time football these days that you're going to see four star guys come and go? I think it's part of the reality. I think that's unfortunate because you know you want to hold on to as many of these dudes as possible. But yeah, it's you know it, it's just part of the the deal at this point and um you know if a guy's like hey i'm i'm not going to be one of the dudes well i'm going to find a place where i can't be the dude by the way i just remember the word it's breathe i hate i hate it when people leave the e off of breathe that drives me insane like there's a difference between breath and breathe i'm sorry i just i remembered it and that drives me absolutely bonkers so yes i will do anything to get rid of that mistake that people are continually and consciously making nick so <laughs> we're we're now assigning intent they are consciously making no because they they know that they're two different words but they're like it doesn't matter and then they just say breathe and breath it's just two different pronunciations of the same spelling and that's not the case they're two different words they're spelled differently learn how to do it i hate oh my god that's the one that drives me absolutely insane that does i can hear the passion in your voice i really don't like it yeah that's really how can you look at the word how can you look at the word breath and think it's pronounced breathe like I don't, I there, yes, there's an E at the end. Like, oh, come on. Jeez, yeah, I'm that's, anyway, that's a big one. Sorry. <laughs> well, I was, <laughs> I'm just going to ruin that whole sequence. That's a I'm great, sorry. It's, it's a great, you know, it's a great segue from, uh, it's a great segue from defensive line play, you know, Potter <laughs> becoming the second lineman of the week, uh, along with Jacoby Callen, who's hitting the, uh, hitting the transfer portal. Now we should say that even with, those two guys saying peace out homies. The Buckeyes still have 16 defensive linemen on scholarship this season. So definitely not hurting for depth there uh, in, in, in that regard. Yeah. A couple other odds and ends to finish up with relative to the transfer portal. Bryson Shaw uh, going to show up at USC. We knew he was uh, in the portal, but going to the University of Southern California and former Buckeye quarterback Seven Banks going to LSU. Uh, any, any feelings worth reporting on for either of those destinations? Those, those both seem pretty good destinations for those guys. Seven banks for Heisman in a couple of years. So there you go. Well, let's make uh, you, you, you jest my friend, but we'll finish with this. CJ Stroud opens as the preseason Heisman trophy favorite on FanDuel, uh, ahead of the reigning winner, Bryce young. I mean, easy money right there. Stroud, uh, you know, I, I always get nervous when, you know, have a guy that's supposed to be the preseason favorite like that. It always seems like, you know, too good to be true sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. so much that can happen during the season with, uh, with regard to something, you know, as, as difficult to project or gauge as the Heisman trophy. Uh, but he sure seems like a pretty good bet at this stage of the game. Doesn't he? I mean, he looks unbelievable if the spring game is any indication and i it's you know i'm the guy who thought that uh you know spencer rattler was the the shoe in for for the heisen ceremony last season so maybe i'm, I'm just dumb i mean but, that lasted for about a week yeah uh <laughs> you know going back and looking at some of the heisman predictions from past seasons for 11 warriors is just not just one of those things that you just don't do um you know much like logging into your old like message board accounts from when you were like 17 just don't do it it's not it's oh. really not worth the psychic torment yeah, um, it sounds like something you may or may not have been doing recently. yeah yeah right like <laughs> can't imagine i would have any experience with that um but uh yeah i mean if he performs the way he's capable of and you know he has the talent around him that we think he does it, it's going to be very difficult uh, for CJ's route not to make a huge impact in the Heisman race. Yep, certainly will have his chances to do so. And and we'll be here to talk about uh, all of it, the ups and the downs, and hopefully more ups than downs. So stick with us, friends. Uh, this time next week, we'll have another scintillating episode dealing with all things related to your favorite sports teams. Remember to send us those questions for Ask Us Anything. And remember, send us your draft takes. We'll talk about those on next week's episode. Until then, I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. Thanks for joining us on the 11 Dubcast.